rather they, they too may be following where the UK is ending towards to much higher rates, right? And that's, I think, uh, what, what Regard is trying to manage here. But she definitely has a big consensus behind her now that rates have to go higher there and they cannot pause. Hmm. Uh, so, so the markets aren't too concerned about this today. Um, Anthony, I'm looking at one of your, your latest reports here, and you're, you're kind of noting about the heavy weighting of the major American indices with the five, uh, the five big tech stocks. Um, are interest rates less important then? Like, do we really, you know, given, given that these, the, the major bourses are so heavily invested in these few stocks, do, I mean, and interest rates don't really have such a big influence on them. Um, you know, should we just be looking at how those companies are performing to get a better sense of where the major American indices are going? Yeah, so the the market breadth has been particularly poor this year. Um, and really, as you say, the top five, top six, top seven um, market-weighted companies, uh, in particular the AI beneficiaries or perceived beneficiaries, have really dominated um, performance this year. So if you look at the S&P 100, that's up around 20% year-to-date. But looking further afield, the mid-cap 400 is up around 5%, small-cap 600 um, is up around 3%, and micro-caps um, up around 3% as well. So it's been a pretty unhealthy rally, um, if you think about the S&P 500 and market breadth in particular. And, of course, those tech stocks particularly hammered um, last year when we saw rate hikes from the Fed and the aggressive hiking cycle. Now... Um, those that S and P 500 that's expensively valued today. We're talking about 85th percentile of its 20-year history in terms of where its PE stands today. And outside of those mega-cap growth names, mid-cap 400 is at its five five percent decile, um, and Russell 2000 at a similar level. So we think valuations outside of those mega-caps are extremely compelling for mid to long-term investors. I mean, we have exposure to Alphabet, Microsoft, TSMC, Micron um, from an AI perspective and semiconductor perspective, but we still are pretty wary about some of those really expensive valuations where it looks like uh, the hype cycle has certainly come to the fore and we're starting to see a bit of retail flow into some of those names like NVIDIA, for example. Ben, what are you? Are you focused in kind of the same areas, or do you? I mean, how do you how do you balance off this incredible overweighting that these this restricted group of tech companies has against the broader market? I mean, how do you how do you play off those two to balance them, or do you not? Do you just go all in on tech? No, you do you balance it out, and one we do this by just staying fully invested, uh, and then looking at other sectors that have the opportunity to benefit from some level of rotation if that breath were to be improving. Now, Anthony has a point. It is a really poor market that way because I think what the market did was to uh, figure out, try to figure out what's the true value of AI and who will be the ultimate winner. And we, we, we can't figure this out immediately, but that's how markets are trying to price things why you get such a concentrated rally and everything's focused on the big names who have, you know, the money and capital to invest in AI, uh, the FANG stocks plus NVIDIA. But to manage that, you, you're going to look at, you know, alternative ways. Like, so, you know, a company that we like is Broadcom, for example, that is very involved in the chip space, um, but could benefit from, from other, other AI investments. Uh, we have obviously our Chips Act, 
which is a very important uh, development here because now it starts to impact, uh, impact the economy. Um, so there could be all kinds of related companies in services, financial services, for example, or so discretionary, start benefiting from that CHIPS Act investment. So I think these are sort of ways to think about how to, how to diversify around this big tech weight that otherwise I would agree with Anthony is, is a problem, right? It's if, if, you, if we're not really seeing any further traction here and rates are going to indeed go and go higher here after all, much higher, then the markets are very much at risk for an unwind because of such a concentrated rally. Okay, Ben, you've got uh, 30 seconds to uh, close us out today. Any, anything else that we should be keeping an eye on for the rest of the week? Well, there are definitely uh, tensions under, this, under the surface, as I say. You know, the volatility is low, and we're in a, in a doldrum you know, summer market, and things are looking bullish or okay. But there is, you know, I would say keep a close eye on the yen. Right? It continues to weaken quite a bit in the wake of the Sintra today. I think that that could become a, a pressure point in the market. Okay, and we do have a couple of seconds. Anthony, uh, number one metric that you're going to be looking for this week to close us out. Yeah, I mean, I just want to remind your listeners that the market is not the economy. Um, and what we're seeing in terms of outside of those mega cap names, the, the market is trading almost at recessionary levels. So for us, you know, it's a, a great opportunity to, to participate in the growth of great companies and, and build a diversified portfolio. So, mm. um, you know, we try to not get caught up in the short-term noise, focus on the mid to long-term, and we think you um, reap the rewards uh, with such a touching the price. All right. Well, thank you very much, Anthony Doyle, Head of Investment Strategy at Firetrail Investment. First time on the show, Ben Emmons, Principal Senior Portfolio Manager, Newell Wealth. And we'll have Carolyn Wright later on in the show talking to Ann Keith Suri, the co-founder of Planto, <clears throat> on your credit worthiness. And close with Ross Feingold, the Safe Pro Group, giving us our view from Taiwan. Looking at the markets, the Nikkei is up 0.6%. Kospi is up 0.26%. ASX 200 is just holding steady. Hang Seng Futures down 0.17%. Uh, it's going to be hot today, people. Max temperature 32 degrees, currently 28 degrees Celsius and 88% humidity. And now the news on RTHK3 with Vicky Wong. The Undersecretary for Commerce and Economic Development, Bernard Chan, said an inspection trip to China's interior provinces highlights Hong Kong's role in promoting the Belt and Road Initiative. Mr. Chan is among some 70 delegates, among them business leaders and consuls general in the SAR, visiting four cities in Henan and Shanxi to witness firsthand the achievements of the mega infrastructure project over the past decade. He said progress has been made during the week-long trip, but more effort was needed to promote business opportunities under the initiative. We were able to understand the latest developments in the central mainland area in the Henan province and Shanxi province. So from what I heard from the foreign chambers and the council generals, they have been really impressed with the trip so far. And once they go back to Hong Kong, they are going to share this experience with their stakeholders, with the foreign enterprises. It's a very good way to tell the good stories of Hong Kong, tell the good stories of China. Turning overseas, the U.S. Coast Guard says presumed human remains have been found in the wreckage of the Titan submersible that imploded in the North Atlantic last week. All five passengers on board were killed. U.S. medical officials will analyze the remains, which were discovered after debris from the sub was brought ashore in Canada. 
French police have arrested 11 people in another night of protest in the suburb of Paris where a teenage boy was shot dead by a police officer. Cars have again been set ablaze in Nanterre and fireworks aimed at officers, with disturbances also reported in other cities. Monia Lapsi is an anti-racism campaigner in Nanterre who knows the teenager's family. She says someone must take responsibility. I saw the video and what I see is a policeman shooting a young man for nothing. I was angry. You have to know that the mother has got one son. And of course, she was very sad. But in the same time, she talked with the institutions, the mayor of the town, and she said to him, my son is dead, but I don't want anyone dead in these conditions. The mother of the victim has called for a memorial march today. Malta has lifted its total ban on abortions, allowing terminations if the mother's life is in danger. It was the only EU member where abortions were illegal. The bill was approved after last-minute changes demanded by anti-abortion campaigners. The BBC's Ristopoko reports. Malta is a conservative country where the Roman Catholic Church still wields considerable power, as was seen during the debate on liberalising abortion laws. The government wanted to allow terminations if the mother's life is in danger, but anti-abortion campaigners succeeded in getting significant changes to this. Except in emergencies, abortions must be approved by a panel of three doctors. They are also allowed only if every other treatment has been exhausted. Critics have called the new law a watered-down one that will still put women's lives in danger. Joe Biden, who is seeking re-election, has delivered a speech in Chicago pitching his economic vision for the United States. Branding it Bidenomics, his message is particularly aimed at middle-class Americans, with plans including taxing the rich to fund areas deemed critical to national security. Bidenomics is about the future. Bidenomics is just another way of saying restore the American dream because it worked before. It's rooted in what we've always worked best at in this country. Investing in America, investing in Americans, because when we invest in our people, we strengthen the middle class, we see the economy grow, that benefits all Americans. His presidency has seen an economic rebound from the recessional effects of COVID, but Mr. Biden's lackluster approval ratings reflect the public's concern over issues such as inflation and higher interest rates. And the pop star Madonna has postponed her Celebration World Tour after contracting a serious bacterial infection. She fell ill at the weekend and spent several days in intensive care. US media is reporting the singer was rushed to hospital after being found in an unresponsive condition. Here's the BBC's Sophie Long. We are told that her health is improving and that she is expected to make a full recovery. But at the moment, we are told she is still undergoing medical care. And so as a result, her team has decided to suspend all commitments, which of course includes the celebration tour. Now, the tour was scheduled to kick off in Vancouver next month, and it's to mark the 40th anniversary of her breakout single holiday. And it was much anticipated when tickets went on sale, 98% of them sold out immediately, with fans buying up 600,000 tickets in one day. The news from RTHK. An international station for an international city. This is Radio 3. Money Talk. Hey, and welcome back to Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3. I'm Andrew Work. 
We have our Your Money feature coming up with Carolyn Wright, and then a view from Taiwan with Ross Feingold, Business Development Director at the SafePro Group. But first in the news, U.S. markets were mixed overnight. With more on what's been moving Wall Street, here's RTHK's own John Roberts. On Wednesday, the New York Stock Exchange, NVIDIA, was making headlines. Shares down 2% after it was revealed the White House is thinking of banning the export of AI chips to China. Now, as you know, NVIDIA came out with a major new AI chip a couple of weeks ago, worth about $10,000 per chip, and it's been flirting with the $1 trillion valuation ever since. This news bringing down NVIDIA and also other chip makers like AMD and Broadcom on the Wednesday session. General Mills is a major food provider. They make Cheerios and Lucky Charms for breakfast. Shares down by between four and five percent. Their earnings were okay, but their revenue was a miss. The sales underwhelming. Pinterest was upgraded by the domestic bank Wells Fargo. Pinterest shares closing up seven percent. And Costco is a membership club. You pay a fee and you get ridiculously cheap groceries there. But people have been sharing their membership schemes. And now Costco is clamping down on that. Costco shares up half a percent on Wednesday. And where did they get the idea from? None other than Netflix, which as you know has been clamping down on password sharing there as well. Netflix shares were up 3% on Wednesday after the company Oppenheimer upgraded the target for them from $450 to $500. And there's also a report out there that they're going to be eliminating some of their pricing tiers. We'll see. On the main markets, well, first of all, after they closed at 4 o'clock local time, we had Micron, one of the big chip makers in America, deliver their latest set of earnings. The loss was $1.43. The revenue was okay. Shares up by between 4 and 5% in the gray market here. And on the main market during the main trading day, it was all about recession, inflation and interest rates. Chairman Powell, head of the central bank, the Federal Reserve, didn't help things by saying he didn't think we'd get back to 2% inflation this year or next year. He was speaking in Europe on Wednesday. And Biden introduced Biden economics, Bidenomics in Chicago in a major policy speech, at which he also introduced more dollars for infrastructure. On the markets then, the Dow was down by between a fifth and a quarter of 1%, 73 points. The Nasdaq was up by almost the same amount, 36 points in the case of the Nas, and the S&P 500 came in flat, down just one point. Bitcoin was down 2%, Ethereum 3%, and XRP 2.3%. And on Thursday, earnings from Nike, we get the weekly jobless numbers, as we always do on a Thursday, and also a revision of U.S. GDP. John Roberts for Money Talk at the New York Stock Exchange. And Singapore Airlines' excellent results will give it scope to give staff an eight-month bonus. Good for them. Its CEO, Go Chun Fong, was paid $5 million U.S. million, making him one of the best-paid non-American CEOs in the airline industry, most of it coming to him in bonuses invested share awards. A recent report from Moody's Investor Service suggested a fall in long-term savings in the U.S. and China. This could pose a risk to the prospects of emerging markets. The BBC's Monica Miller speaks to a Moody's Martin Petch as to why these savings are important. Our expectation is that as the aging population continues, the older people will draw down the savings they've made to uh, meet their retirement needs, to cover their old age health uh, care. And so you get a, a decline in savings from that angle. At the same time as the Chinese try to boost the role of consumption and growth, Younger cohorts of households likely to save less for that precautionary for old age, for, for health care, for unemployment benefit as the authorities start to, start to build out social safety net. So overall, in the medium to long term, we expect China's savings rate to decline uh, and a little, little bit faster than their investment rate. 
I mean, right now, China is the country that saves the most, something like 20 percent. Why is that? I think it's largely because, uh, you know, there aren't those kind of social safety nets there uh, for, for old age, for unemployment, for example, for, for unexpected health care needs. And so people save just to, to make sure that they can cover those. But at the same time, their savings are directed very much in towards the, the housing market. Uh, and there's very uh, fairly limited alternatives for savings there. Now, for the older generation, their savers, what about the new generation? Well, I think there's probably, uh, as, the, as I said before, as China's authorities start to build out its social safety net, uh, and that's needed to, to maintain social uh, social uh, stability, I think, as they start to build out pension schemes, uh, an unemployment uh, safety net as well, uh, a better healthcare system with more coverage for a broader range of Chinese then the, the need is to save less, I think, for those for those needs. And so they'll be able to direct some of that saving into into spending more. And I think that's what, you know, the, the thrust of, of China's policy it hasn't been so successful yet. But I think over the medium to longer term, we'll start to see those trends emerge. You're listening to Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3. And we're back on Money Talk. I'm Andrew Work. And in Your Money Today, Carolyn Wright takes a look at the aspects you should be considering before you apply for any specific credit card to get the most out of it. Good morning, Carolyn. Good morning. In Your Money Today, we're going to take a dive into the world of credit cards. There are plenty to choose from. But what do you need to know about your credit worthiness before applying? What rewards might you be able to get for using a card? And how can you avoid getting yourself into debt? I'm joined again by Ankit Suri, who is co-founder of the personal finance app Planto. Hi again, Ankit. Hi, thanks for having me. So let's take a delve into this subject. Talk first about what we need to know about things before applying for a card. What sort of criteria do issuers consider before deciding whether to give you a credit card? Credit cards are very popular in Hong Kong. I mean, at an average, like most people would be carrying like three to four. So, you know, banks are always looking to innovate and launch, launching new kind of credit card products, right? But the basic uh, that, that comes down to is you need to understand how much you earn because certain credit cards are for a segment that earn more than the others. Certain segment, certain cards are, are open to all. So what you want to try and do is apply for cards where you have a higher chance of getting approved. Because ultimately, it's it's a credit product that the banks are giving you. The second part to this is um, you need to have a good credit history. So, in Hong Kong, there's uh, your credit rating providers like TransUnion who who issue you a credit credit rating report, and all that means is that it just shows are you willing to pay back to the bank, uh, and are you able to pay back to your bank uh, once you spend on your credit card uh, debt. Um, so you need to make sure that your credit card rating is right up there. Um, third one is employment status. So banks value um, stable income. So if you have a full-time job, show your salary uh, to, to, to the credit card provider during the application. And lastly, um, and this is something a lot of people miss, is that your credit utilization ratio can be quite important. So imagine if you have, if you have a lot of credit cards, which gives you a lot of credit limit, but if you don't use it often, your credit utilization ratio can be low, which might indicate that 
actually you're not a great customer. So, and you might not have enough data for a credit rating uh, provider to give you a great credit score either. So what you want to try and do is make sure that you are using your credit card as well if you apply for that. So I think these are the factors. Okay, that's interesting that you actually should men use them regularly once yeah. once you have them. Yeah. So let's uh, take a look deeper into how you decide which is the best card for you personally. Obviously, you talked there about the credit worthiness, but let's talk about some of the, the rewards and gifts that you're offered. S some cards will offer something to welcome you in. Is that really worth going for? Yeah, I mean, welcome welcome um, offers are very valuable. They're often a great way to lure people in to applying for a card. But as a customer, right, it shouldn't be the only factor that you consider. Um, the only time that you could you should actually look at welcome offers is if you have a big short-term expense coming up because welcome offers are often based on you know you spending a certain amount to maximize those welcome offers so say you've got a big expense coming up like going off on a big trip or getting married then you might want to apply for a new card and leverage that welcome offer to maximize the benefits that you can get but otherwise welcome offers can actually be a very small part uh, if you understand your day-to-day -day spending, because what matters more is what happens after those two or three months of welcome offer and the benefits that you get after. So focus on that for your day-to-day -day spending. Use welcome offers if you're having a short-term expense coming up. Okay, so let's get on to that longer-term scenario yeah. and some of the rewards you can get for using your card regularly. So tell me about some of the different schemes that are out there and, and how you pick the one that's best for you. Yeah, so... Uh, there's there's various kind of schemes. Uh, there's cashbacks, which means that if one, the moment you spend, you actually earn a percentage of whatever you spend back uh, as a as 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 uh, funds in your credit card account. Uh, there's points, so th some banks give their own proprietary uh, points, so they run their own loyalty schemes. Uh, and the last one is air miles, right? So the main thing is, as a user, you should be going after actually one which has the maximum value. So. Often it's a lot of math to do as well, but if you're not if you're not keen on doing that, then just think about what your lifestyle is. If you're into traveling a lot, if you're doing like four or five trips a year, which a lot of Hong Kong people love doing, then you know go for Asia Miles because you know overall it will it would give you a free flight after after a few months of spending. So you can keep it simple for yourself. But if you don't want to go to the hassle of actually signing up to Asia Miles or sort of signing up to Air Miles, or you don't travel often, then just Keep it simple with points or cash back. Uh, the only thing that you could look at is certain banks have also included various ways that you can use their points. So if you're into actually, if you're looking to purchase a certain item, like let's say a new TV for yourself, then actually, uh, you know, you can use the points to buy that, you know, TV uh, over a period of time. So if you're looking to buy something using your credit card rewards, then you can also look at points and view banks that actually offer um, the ability to exchange points for a particular item. So it sounds like you should do a fair amount of, of research and have that goal in mind, maybe for, for your rewards. Yeah. How easy is it to, to claim these rewards, whether that's um, with the, the card issuer themselves or even, you know, you talk about air miles. I, I've heard quite a lot recently that, that, that isn't necessarily that easy to redeem an air miles flight because everyone's desperate to go on holiday again. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, uh, like the great thing that's happened in Hong Kong in the last three, four years is that most banks have, you know, focused towards making digital uh, accessible, like really simple. So what that has done is that redeeming credit card points, exchanging credit card points, redeeming cash back, they've become 
much, much simpler. I think with the virtual banks coming in, we saw how cashback is real time given to you the moment you spend, right? So uh, I think most of the issuers are now moving towards having simpler process. You obviously need to do a little bit of research. Uh, and like I said, um, some banks have even you know, offered marketplaces where you can buy something based on the points that you're accumulating as well. So uh, you know, it's more than now just exchanging points. But they've even made it simple for you to actually uh, you know, buy something. And one last thing is that there was a time when I used to get an envelope in my in my uh, at my home with a with a reward ca with a with a cash reward voucher. And now, you know, everything is digital. You can just sign up to that, and and you can just get that you know voucher of the merchant of your choice on your email. So it's become very simple overall, and it's just going to get better. That's nice to hear. Yeah. So let's talk about when you need to pay the money back. Are there big differences between uh, the terms of interest-free periods and then the interest rates that are charged if you don't pay back the amount you've spent in full? Yeah, so actually most uh, credit card issuers in Hong Kong give you a 56-day interest-free period. There are uh, some new uh, kind of uh, credit card products or credit products in the market which are giving you up to 90 days interest-free period as well. So if you're looking to maximize your cash flow, then you know you could definitely go for the ones which are offering you uh, more than 56. But generally, 56 is the baseline. Um, the late fees and the finance charges, which means if you don't pay it back on time, the interest rates are pretty much similar across the whole banking landscape in Hong Kong. Um, so it doesn't really matter. Um, you know, that does, shouldn't really be a consideration as such. You should always be looking to pay back on time regardless. Okay, so let's look into now your personal finance planning. Would you say it's always best to pay those cards back in full? And how easy is it to get into uh, difficulties if you don't? Yeah, uh, it's it's a base personal finance principle that if you are going to use credit cards, you should be looking to pay it back on time. Uh, and, and that's because the interest rates on credit cards, late payments, tend to be higher than, you know, other credit products. So if you're looking to actually, uh, you know, have more flexibility in your repayment plans, then you should be going for other credit-based products like personal installment loans, etc. We can go into that separately, but um, you should be looking to pay back on time. However, you know, these days, a lot of banks are partnering with merchants where they are allowing you to actually increase your repayment plans over 12 months, 24 months. So for example, banks partner with retailers like um, like Fortress, etc., where you can go and purchase, let's say, an Apple product, um, you know, a new MacBook and pay it over 24 months at a 0% interest rate as well. So if you're looking for more flexibility and if you know exactly how you want to use your card, you can look at some of these partnerships that banks have uh, that banks have worked with, uh, retailers that banks have worked with, and purchase from those um, in order to in order to get some flexibility. Okay, that is very interesting. I, I don't think I was aware of all of those things. So it's very good that you were able to come in and explain all of that to us. I'm going to get you back in studio shortly, and we're going to talk about what can happen if things go wrong, say if your card's stolen. So that'll be coming up in a future episode with Ankit Suri, 